Welcome to SEC Football Live here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And if you're new to the show, make sure you click on that button. Give us a subscription right there on the YouTube page. You can also catch us, of course, in podcast form. Today on the show, Paul Feinbaum is our guest. Yes, that's right. The Paul Feinbaum. 2024 is going to be arguably the most important year in the history of college football and maybe the history of the SEC. Texas and Oklahoma are joining the conference permanently. The playoff is expanding to 12 teams. Roster rules are continuing to evolve at lightning speed. Congress may be getting involved. And of course, the greatest coach in the history of sports, Nick Saban, is no longer a part of our game. So who better to analyze the future of this conference and this sport than the great Paul Feinbaum himself? We talked about not just Nick Saban in Alabama, but which teams he likes in 2024, what do the effects of all these new roster rules have on the game itself, on the SEC? Who can be a contender with these new rules in place in the conference, in the SEC? Again, not just in 2024, but in the future. Either way you look at it, we are in an historic season of college football coming up in 2024. And I wanted to go right to the source. So we had a conversation, myself and Paul Feinbaum, about the future of the SEC. So no more of me. Give us a subscription button, though. We do appreciate it. No more of me. Here was my conversation with the great Paul Feinbaum. Well, Paul, always a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I am doing well, Brayden. Uh, I'm probably doing better than all you folks who are stuck in the snow, but nobody cares about that, do they? Well, my children and my dog love it. My wife and I, mm, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll let you know next week when we thaw out. Um, all right. I want to ask you about the future of this conference, but at the same time, I, I got to start with with Kalen DeBoer in Alabama. Um, just in general, I, I don't think it was as shocking that Nick Saban decided to retire as, as people thought. I mean, you, you're very well connected. This has been something that's probably has been in his brain for a while, but it, it does feel jarring, if that makes sense, to our sport. And I think our sport is worse off without the Nick Saban gravitational force inside of it. Who fills that role? <clears throat> Excuse me. Outside of Kirby Smart, who fills that void? Well, I think the probably the prime suspects in the SEC would be Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, or Steve Sarkeesian, but nobody is going to fill it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're now a week and a couple of days later, and and the aftershocks are being felt. And you know, I, I don't think uh, even though we, we should have anticipated this, I don't think we were really quite ready to uh, comprehend the world without Nick Saban in it, at least in the college football uh, platform of coaching. Because uh, I mean, I, I thought I I thought I'd seen all this before, Braden, and I'm tired of talking about it. And I'm sure the audience is tired of me referring back to my my early days covering Bryant. But the, the world is so different. Uh, that took a long time to re recover from. But most of what occurred then was years in the making. Th this seems a little more shocking. And historians can go back and maybe find fault with maybe a, a poor uh, transition process. But right now, it, it feels like Armageddon. <laughs> well, OK, so then Kalen DeBoer, in my opinion, just having been around this game, it, it feels like he checks as many boxes as you kind of possibly can. In terms of you know what he's already put on on tape, so to speak, right? Like the winning, the offense, Washington's infrastructure behind the scenes from an NIL and collective standpoint is going to be one of the most advanced in the Big Ten when they move there. To me, that's a reflection of how he views that part of the game. We know Nick Saban didn't like that part of the game, um, and obviously pulling a, a pretty big staff, whether you like him or not, it's still some big boy moves by him to do this. He doesn't have the relationships in the SEC, but neither did Nick Saban when he came to LSU. So 
if if Kalen DeBoer doesn't work and he fails and is out in three years, like every coach that's not been good at a major program in the SEC, what will it have been that undoes him? Well, I think uh, it's always easy to do the autopsy before the guys even move, but uh, we'll do we'll go ahead and do it. I think what you'll point to, uh, if that's the case, is a lack of familiarity with with recruiting down here. And I. I mean, I used Brian Harson. Uh, I really like Brian Harson. I thought he was an excellent coach, but he never could understand it. Uh, and you don't have you don't have long to learn. And by the way, Brian Harson three years ago had longer to learn than than Kaylin DeBoer. I'm not sure Kaylin DeBoer even knows what hit him yet because uh, this portal transfer 30 day policy uh, has never really been tested before, but it's being tested in real time. And, you know, as we speak, it feels like the end of the world as we know it. I know that was a good R.E.M. song, but it's not really something Alabama fans want to hear. Um, I think he has a chance to be very good, but he he has to dig himself out. And right now, and I, I'm, I'm not a sunshine pumper, it, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult for him to do that. Well, and I ask that question as someone who I think is, you know, I think that's a pretty decent hire. I mean, I, I, I would guess he wasn't the first call. Probably wasn't the second call, but he might have been the third call. So I, I think Greg Byrne executed the plan pretty well. He did. Uh, I thought uh, start to finish, it was 48 hours. Uh, and that, that's lightning fast. When uh, How many times have we both heard uh, a, 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 an athletic director, I almost called him a GM, um, <laughs> say, uh, hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to have someone in the next few weeks. Uh, that, that used to be the standard line, even though you yeah. knew it wasn't true. Um, now it, it, uh, it, but he had to have, uh, he had to have, uh, DeBoer here. And I think, I think as I, I talked to Greg Byrne the other day, and I'm still not sure we know the timeline because when you have a guest on, just like you're having a guest on here, uh, you don't swear me in, uh, I'm not under oath. So, uh, although it's a good thing I'm not, um, I, I think Byrne had a pretty good idea, uh, on Wednesday at, uh, 4.08, uh, central time when, when Nick Saban told the team a week ago. Yeah, yeah, like what the break glass in case of emergency that they all have in their desk. They 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 know who's on the list and who says yes and who says no. Uh, that you don't have to answer that, Your Honor. Uh, it's okay. Um, I, Hugh Freeze in Auburn. There's something obviously always fun and interesting going on. Uh, how much has Hugh Freeze changed over his 15 years of being in the college game? He seems a lot older. Uh, I mean, I just I uh, I was with him uh, the, the day before the Iron Bowl. I'm glad I wasn't with him the day after the Iron Bowl, and he uh, he just seemed exhausted, uh, and and he was pretty honest about it. Uh, he, he's I don't think he was quite ready, uh, even though he coached at the highest level and did a great job at Ole Miss. I think that uh, that break between 15 and 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 last year was a long time in terms of recruiting, and while he's done very well, I think the pace of the season. Uh, got to him a little bit. Uh, I think he'll be. I think he'll be better the next next year because uh, it is it is a little bit like being on the treadmill uh, and without being able to hold on, going fast and looking all around. And, and yeah, he his first season really didn't matter. I mean, he could have done without the Music City disaster, and he could have done without saying afterwards that he he was spending all his time on recruiting. But you know, there's some confusion over some of his staff personnel. But ultimately, he's getting big time recruits in, and and that's what matters the most. Yeah, no question about that. Um, all right, you said sunshine. You're not a sunshine pumper. I, I've always appreciated that about your shows, and 
the work that you do. Uh, maybe I'm just cynical or jaded or whatever you want to call it, having been around the game and, and this conference as long as I have. Uh, are you excited though about like this this void? Like Alabama's got a question, Auburn's got a question, Tennessee's maybe coming back a little bit. LSU seems to be pretty good, but is still got some questions about upside. I think Brian Kelly's an excellent coach. Uh, you know, Florida is not the, at at their best. They they seem to be trending maybe in a good direction. Uh, but be, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are pretty solid, but they're in for an awakening when it comes to a schedule. So when you look at this league outside of Georgia, when you look at this league, are you've got young quarterbacks, you've got solid coaches, you've got good offenses, and a whole lot of unknown at the top of the league. Are are you actually excited about 2024 from a football fan standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably more excited than I've been in a long time, and it has nothing to do with what's going on uh, as we speak, uh, but it's really the Texas-Oklahoma situation. Uh, that is such a big deal for what I do and what you do and everybody does, because you're you're bringing, I mean, I'll, I'll spare you uh, all the things that we know, but I mean, those are just gi- gigantic uh, chess pieces to put on this board. Uh, they're also, and you know, we're in the uh, entertainment business there it's expanding uh the it's expanding the audience uh tr- dramatically uh and that's a big deal on top of the playoff so i mean this is probably the biggest year that i can remember um yeah, i know from the sec network standpoint I mean, we're already uh planning the football season and the preseason and that's not usually what happens usually you have the national championship game on the first or second monday in january and it you just kind of, but you get into a dark period. Uh, that's not the case anymore uh, because there's so much uh, yet to be done. And I, I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, you go, we're going to Texas for the uh, media days as opposed to Hoover. Uh, I mean, that's exciting too. Better, better cow. It's cooked better. Like, by the way, I like I like Nashville last year. I wouldn't mind coming back there. We're good with that. I, I, listen, I I was good with that until my wife decided to leave town for work uh, and left me with the kids that that week. But uh, no, I. I, look, I think you, you talk about growing the audience and sort of adding new pieces to the board and Texas and Oklahoma, again, to your point, we don't have to mention what they do and what they bring. Um, but I do find it interesting that this entire league, like I almost appreciate Nick Saban and maybe even to some extent, Jim Harbaugh stepping away from the game the same year that we add, change all the, the conferences and add the playoff, like, like 30 years from now, it's going to be so easy to remember. Oh, 2024 was the year where the game became the game. And ultimately, I'm not sure we're going to have as dramatic a shift in this sport as we will have this year, maybe ever for the rest of the I don't want to say all time, but like this could be the biggest thing that happens in this year could be the biggest thing that happens in the sport for 50 years. No, I think you're right. And uh, I mean, I'm sure with it, as every day goes by, Saban's nodding his head down on the golf course in Florida going, hey, I made a pretty good decision here. <laughs> um, but but it, I mean, we knew it was coming. Uh I think I think the problem when you get around people people like that, and, and I think one reason Alabama is struggling now is that there there's such a belief in an individual. I, I mean, it was two weeks ago, two uh, the day uh, two days after the national championship game, right? And I was on Get Up uh, with Mike Greenberg and Mark Marcus Spears was wherever he was, and and, and I said, uh, and Greenberg and said, you know, could this have been the end for Nick Saban? I said, I really believe. The end is near, and, and and Monday may have been his swan song. And Marcus Spears, who played for Saban, that's absurd. Uh, he gave the predictable Saban response because nobody wanted to believe that it would ever end. And yeah. I have I had that belief in my head all year because 
when you see Saban, and by the way, it helps to be four years younger than Saban, you can kind of see the little things uh, that uh, maybe a younger person doesn't see. And I wasn't surprised, uh, but nobody wanted to believe it. And that includes, I think, everybody that works at Alabama. And even though they may have had a plan in place, uh, it seems like it's taking away. It, it took, it, even though they hired DeBoer quickly, uh, there are a lot of other things I'm not sure they were prepared for. Well, uh, denial ain't just a river in Egypt, as my father would say. Uh, yes. it, look, the vibes were there the entire year. Like, oh. again, not to go back to Saban, but the, the vibes were there the whole Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Um, all right. What? So NIL collectives portal, I can rattle off the whole list of, of, of stuff that we talk about that has affected the sport and changed how we do business, meaning both fans, media, coaches, players, etc. Is there a factor that you think we have not yet covered enough that will affect championships, outcomes, coaching, you know, coaching careers, because that's directly tied to outcomes? Is there a thing about the, the new version of the SEC that we have not figured out is going to have as big an impact. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think what you're, you're going to hear uh, from athletic directors, I mean, they're going to go back and, and try to re readdress the portal uh, because they, the SEC can do whatever it wants to do. And I'm, I'm sure while there are now 15 athletic directors having a good time watching Alabama, they, they all, they know it could be them the next time. So I, I think you'll see some, some teeth there. Uh, and, and I think it's all about the collectives. Uh, I think if we were talking six months from now, I would probably look back and say Alabama wasn't prepared for this moment. The, the, the head coach now and the athletic director are fundraisers. That's all they, they are constantly calling people for money. And we're talking big money. Uh, I mean, the NIL is, everybody say, oh, I hate NIL. NIL is no big deal. Uh, everybody knows there's a there's almost a set fee you get if you go to a particular school. It's the bidding that happens every December uh, and, and now January uh, to keep the players. Uh, and and what, what's remarkable, and I, 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 don't, I eventually will quit talking about Alabama, but there, there's, but the idea that you can get a freshman quarterback uh, to enroll at Alabama in December, in late December for early January, and he's already in the portal by, by January 20th, it, you know, somebody is going to say, we can't have that. Um, but I don't know what you can do about it. Well, and that goes to the, like the NFL structure of, of how they space out their entire calendar. Some of that is done on purpose for content and and for their media partners, but, but it also makes it easily, easily digestible for fans. It makes it more fun to cover for the media. It makes it easier to understand if you're a coach, sort of understanding your roster, general managers, et cetera. I don't know, like December is broken. It is oversaturated. It, it cannot, you cannot ask coaches to do free agency and the draft and prepare for a playoff game at the same time. But I don't know how you, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm, I'm assuming you I'm assuming you have all the, the wisdom we need here, Paul. I don't. Uh, but, you know, in, in certain cases, going to the playoffs this year uh, cost Alabama maybe next season. Uh, you know, it's a fair victory of sorts because uh, had you, know, you don't want a coaching change in January. So, I mean, I, I think the problem with college athletics, though, is that every time they they, they, they jump on a new problem, they, they miss something else. And and it's like everything else. Uh, I mean, we, we just went through a pandemic where we learned what not to do more than what to do. And I think that's the same way. But I just uh, there's such a disconnect. And I know I'm, I'm rambling about the, the bigger issues, but it, there's such a disconnect between what college administrators talk about and what players talk about and what fans are interested in. Fans only care about one thing, Braden, winning. They don't really care how you get there. They used to say. 
I used to hear from fan bases, well, you know, we got caught by the NCAA. We need to take our medicine. Nobody says that anymore. It's just hire the biggest and the baddest lawyer, and it's like in politics. When somebody comes after you, we're going to come after you uh, twice twice as hard. Uh, Congress and the NCAA, the least the, the approval ratings. I'm not sure we want no, to read, that, read those on the air. Um, so to to your point, like I. I think one of the things that is going to become something that like you talk about on your show a lot and that we talk about and it becomes the thing for the fans is going to be these schedules that are sort of imbalanced. And and I think you're going to have teams with identical records that didn't play each other. I, I've long believed in getting rid of divisions. I think it's just the better a better system and to put the, the best quote unquote best two teams into a championship game. But that's not something we've spent a lot of time talking about, I feel like, because we're so focused on recruiting and the portal and all this uh, the coaching carousel and all this other stuff. I think at the end of the year, moving forward with 16 teams, I think we're going to be spending a lot more time debating how good team two and team three and team four were really because they didn't play each other. And I think fans need to be prepared for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah, it's often been said, you know, if you're uh, like in, on Wall Street, by the time everybody comes around to realizing the uh, company is doing well, it's too late to buy it. And I think that's the same thing in, in athletics, where every time we get to a problem, there's another bigger one brewing, but we have to go through the the machinations of trying to fix it. And, and you know, we really do. I mean, I, everybody says we need to get rid of the NCAA. Um, I don't hear the college, I mean, the college administrators need it, though. I mean, you, you have all these other sports that the NCAA plays a role in. So you've got to put up with uh, the craziness uh, of the rules, but uh, I mean, the SEC is probably big enough, Braden, that they could just break away from everything, and yep. the SEC championship will count as the national championship in the future. Well, let's just add the Big Ten for the sake of it, and the power yeah. two. The power oh, two yeah, breaks away. The power two breaks away. Uh, you know Saban as well as anybody in in our line of work. Uh, he's hanging around Alabama, I think, out of because of like his own conviction of of actually trying to help the players and the institution. Uh, I, I don't, it doesn't strike me as like this guy trying to hold on for dear life. Like you said, he's probably doing just fine on a golf course. The question is, does he get, does he come back? And you know, is that an athletic director? Is that a conference commissioner? If Greg Sankey were to take another job it is, you know, I know commissioner gets tossed around, but eventually we are headed towards collective bargaining, revenue sharing. You know, we're going to eventually get to that point, maybe 10 years from now, but is he a guy that wants to be involved in the game at that level at some point in the future? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, I mean he showed up at that press conference, which grabbed a lot of attention. But I, I think his wife uh, wanted him there, and I think he just simply wanted to let everybody know I'm here. But I bet he's not there. Um, in <laughs> fact, I know he, I know he's been in Florida this week uh, playing golf, and uh, yeah, everybody assumes he's going to go, go to work for ESPN. I I I, I do I do too. Uh, that's not going to be enough. He's got to find something else. Uh, because this is a guy that that uh, bores easily. The reason I don't think he could be uh, in administration is I don't think he has the patience for it. Uh, you, know, you sit around an athletic department all day and and, and you're talking, uh, doesn't matter, men, women, uh, volleyball, softball, that's all you do. And, and he couldn't do that. Uh, and, and I think the commissionership would drive him crazy because he'd always be the smartest guy in the room. And Saban does not like people who aren't as smart as him. So uh, it would be, a, I, I think he's, I think, I think he's got a, I think, by the way, I don't know this because I've never retired. Although I know a lot of people are hoping for that day, but uh, I think he'll probably like uh, playing golf and going boating and, and, and think, I, I mean, I have one place I live. I don't have a, I don't have a beach house. I don't have a mountain house. 
he right now has four homes. Uh, and, and, and he's just now collecting. So, uh, you know, with a house in Tuscaloosa, one in, in, in Georgia and two in Florida, including an 18 and a half million dollar home. I mean, you could spend a lot of time fixing those up and airing them out for the spring. Uh, and, and we're all married. So, you know, after you buy even $18 million after three years, you're going to need a new, a whole oh, yeah. new, a whole new vibe in there. So, exactly. um, what's interesting about what that, uh, so I, well, I, I find that going back to this year and going back to some of the teams this year, and now we'll, I'll actually ask you about some actual football. Um, we, the playoff is, is recalibrating sort of how we define success in the nineties, sort of the, the big bowl games, uh, you know, there was about six of them. So we had about 12 teams playing in these major bowl games. That was the value that college football fans sort of placed on their season, not the national championship. And now we have again, 12 teams making the playoff. It's about the same number of teams the 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 number of fan bases that now have access to that out in the SEC to me it's 10 win Kentucky 10 win Ole Miss uh you know a Bobby Petrino coached Arkansas team in 2011 or you know Connor Shaw led South Carolina you know with Steve Spurrier like what whatever the teams might be those teams now have access to it but with all the new rules on roster management it does feel like it's it's spreading out the top just a bit I I still don't know if I believe in it but do you think we're just recalibrating how we define success for coaches, a.k.a. making the playoff? Or do you think those coaches and those teams actually think that these new rules can give them enough talent to win three or four games in a college football playoff? Yeah, I think right now, and that's that's one of the unknowns of, of 24 is what what is success? And I think if you're, uh, you know, once you get below the Alabama, Georgia level, I think for Ole Miss, Kentucky, LSU, it's now being in playoff contention and for probably LSU getting to the playoffs. I, I think I, I think it's really going to be interesting, though, what, you know, as we get beyond the first tier, what do we look at in the second tier of success? It, it it, you know, we're not going to be able to use well uh, as you hear on these like noon games on Saturday. Well, if uh, if Vanderbilt wins this game, they're they're two games away from being bowl eligible. Uh, nobody wants to be bowl eligible anymore. You want to you want to have a shot at that playoff. And if you don't make the playoff, then what do you do? I, I was interviewing Brian Kelly this year, who I think is one of the smartest coaches around, and he said, "Well, you know, the most important thing is we're trying to get to ten wins." And that was after he lost Alabama. It was a very smart thing to do though, because then his team tried to get to 10 wins, and he was able to to pitch 10 wins as a success, even though it didn't feel that way at the time. Well, no, and, and look, Missouri and Ole Miss are prime candidates, and I would throw Tennessee in there. Tennessee yeah. normally can recruit at a higher level, so they can, in theory, stockpile. I mean, Lane Kiffin said it out loud. I mean, after losing to Georgia, he was like, look, I don't have enough good good players, basically. I'm paraphrasing here. But again, Ole Miss is clearly going for it. It's something we've never seen in college football before. Um, keeping their star running back certainly would have helped, but th these teams with good quarterbacks, good coaches, a, a large chunk of their roster coming back off of successful teams from the year before, again, Missouri, Ole Miss, those are two teams that have no chance at, at beating Georgia four straight weeks. I'm, I'm going to use Georgia as the cutout for every playoff game they would have to play. I, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see the blue chip ratio being undone. And maybe Washington is is a proof point against this theory. Maybe I'm wrong on this, and you know, feel free to tell me I am. But I still don't know if if those teams. I think they can all get to the playoff. I think all of them can get there. The question is whether or not they can win three games against Ohio State, Alabama, and 
you know, whatever, fill in the blank, Michigan, whoever it might be. They can, I don't think they can, but you know, it's like the NFL. It's like the NFL. Uh, you know, what was the story of last weekend? The Cowboys losing. Uh, so you just simply look at things differently, and and I, and I really don't know what we're, I don't. I mean, again, we are two people who who have shows and and allegedly influence public opinion. Um, so I mean, I, I think I think you're being be very kind. Uh, it'll be a learning experience, uh, but uh, you know, old rules don't apply anymore. No. All right. Uh, Oklahoma has Jackson. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm 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 by this because I actually am excited about the the quarterback play. Uh, Oklahoma has Jackson Arnold. Tennessee has Nico. LSU's going to Garrett Nussmeyer. You got Brady Cook. You got Jackson Dart. You got Carson Beck. You got Jalen Milrow. All the teams that we think are contenders next year all have really potentially really high level quarterback play. Are there teams in that group that you like more than others right now without, you know, again, we're way, again, I get it. We're end of January here. Do Are there teams that you are more interested in that you think are going to be the bigger story as, as it pertains to challenging the top tier? Cause obviously, you know, Bama, Georgia, maybe even Texas are that is already on that top tier. I can't get over how easy Missouri's schedule is uh, when, when you try to look at it objectively. So I, I think Missouri is in very good shape. Uh, I mean, if you had if you had given me Eli Drinkwitz uh, in the final record, I would have laughed you off the stage a year ago, and I probably did probably did laugh, but uh, that that was remarkable. And you know, Ole Miss, I, I, I guess I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I, I want to believe in that roster, and I want to believe in Lane for all the reasons uh, that we have. But uh, I think LSU probably uh, is the team I'm, I'm watching the most closely. Wow, no, that's a total shot at Tennessee is all I heard there. Just complete disbelief in Nico. Uh, that's all I heard. That's all I, I, heard. I, I want to see more. I really do. I, I, I was not <laughs> impressed last year with Tennessee. Well, one one bowl game does not uh, a season of data make. That is uh, that is for sure. All right, well, th- thank you so much, uh, Paul. Always a pleasure to have you on. We do appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, obviously, look forward to a great year. Have some fun in the offseason and I guess already planning for, for 2024. So thank you. Yeah. Brayden, it was a pleasure. Anytime. I, I thoroughly enjoyed being with you.